0: Hello and welcome to Let's Get Psyched, a program that explores the controversial and challenging issues from a psychological and psychiatric perspective, as well as the implications for clinical practice. I'm your host, psychologist, Dr. Aaron Parks of the University of California Riverside's Counseling and Psychological Services. I'm joined by my co-host, second year child and adolescent psychiatry fellow, Dr. Toshi Amaguchi. Hi, Tosha. Hi guys. Fourth year psychiatry resident at UCR, Dr. DM Wynn. Hi, DM.
1: Hi, Dr. Parks.
0: And second year psychiatry resident, Dr. Alan Atkins. Hi, Alan.
1: Good evening, Dr. Park.
0: Good evening. The views expressed on Let's Get Sector, those of the speaker. They do not represent the University of California, UC Riverside's Counseling and Psychological Services, or UCR School of Medicine. Well, thank you for joining us on tonight's show. We're going to talk about the extent that politics gets in the room in clinical practice. Why are we talking about that? Because we can't stop arguing about that between us. <laughs> we talk about it a lot. Because probably I bring it up a lot, but other people have strong opinions too. They bring it up a lot. And so we end up arguing about it. So we thought we need to talk about this because you know there's probably clinicians and just uh, uh, folks out there that also would probably want to weigh in on this. Uh, so now I just want to say that um, I feel, and you correct me if you all correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like I'm a little more open with my political views. Uh, Probably it has something to do with the fact that I am an older gentleman <laughs> and I don't care as much. Because, you know, you, you know that. You know, when people get old, they care less. They start uh, letting themselves go a little bit, uh, you know, appearance-wise. And they start not caring so much about what people think. Isn't that true? So that You haven't be... let
1: yourself go at all. No.
0: <laughs> well, thank you, Alan. <laughs> <laughs> all right, back at you. Um, no, I mean, you know, you know what I mean. I mean, like, as far as opinion, and just uh, my career it's pretty is pretty stable you know i think i
2: actually wonder so, if it's because you work with college age youth and they are also very strong very
0: politically and like, active and it's real easy to be active. who i am because most college people are liberal and i'm liberal if you haven't gotten it by now i'll just tell you so it is very I, easy for me now i will say it doesn't come up that much though honestly with college folks
3: I want to. I also wonder if it's because you have a lot of experience and you feel very secure in your abilities with your skills. And for the rest of us, we're still in training. I certainly don't feel very confident in my therapeutic skills. Um, I feel like I'm just on the cusp of learning how to do therapy. So I, there's a sense of safety and neutrality.
0: That. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, no, I feel like um, I can like Trump supporters, but not what they do. Like, if they come to therapy, that's huge. If a Trump supporter goes to therapy, I know that that's huge for them.
1: Ooh, that's so, backing yeah. up my point from earlier. Okay.
0: Okay, I I mean, know, what is I your point from our previous argument? point now, from earlier,
1: yeah, that's, that's okay. So, so I think I have two, there's two sources of discomfort here for me. One is, is I think, like Tosh said, um, sorry, like Doctor Yamaguchi said.
0: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, please be formal. Um,
1: we are we are early in our careers, and for me, I, you know, I'm also uh, an, in in the infancy of my hosting on this show. Um, and grateful to to you all for having me. But you know, being on a podcast and radio show is far enough from kind of what's what we're taught is. The appropriate profile of a doctor, right? No one wants to be Dr. Oz. No one wants to be on, at least I've never wanted to be on TV or the radio. The, but the other thing that I think is a, an equally great source of discomfort for me is the sense that we are talking about politics in an echo chamber. We all have very similar views, as I think was evidenced by our, our the, the authoritarian questionnaires we all just took. And I would feel I'm a lot more. Making
3: blanket statements about
1: all of us. Yeah, I, I was I'm like, I don't feel like we have statements. similar
3: views, Alan.
2: <laughs> I'm just gonna say that right now. I think I, I'm very think
1: different from we you. We have much <laughs> more similar views than anyone. Than the the difference between us compared to if we had one Trump supporter on this show who was broadcasting with us, our views are, I think, are quite minuscule. And we, to some extent, you know, we we get ourselves into corners that play them up and and focus on debate, which can be fun but i think overall our, our views are, are in, in at least in terms of framing the national debate they're they're extremely similar i i have
2: from, i feel like a lot of this though is how protective we are about our views and how personally and professionally i i feel very protective about my views and yes i am liberal but i recently got into married into a family that's like very proud trump supporters they're out and loud and like basically waving a trump flag fox news oh, is on wow. all the time it's like oh my yeah and the a lot it's so very rude. similar to what she <laughs> <has> said <laughs> i'm very i know <laughs> i i feel like i have to be very careful how i step to not open a lane of attack and it's yeah. very similar to how i deal with patients I am very cautious about what I reveal about anything about myself to not open a lane of where I feel like that could be vulnerable.
1: So do you have any, uh, I mean, it sounds like you get a lot of practice. Do you have any best practices or, or clever things that you've come up with in order to keep those lanes of attack nicely fortified?
2: Yeah, avoidance. That's great. <laughs> you just <laughs> avoid the topic.
0: <laughs> and sometimes that can be difficult if they ask you straight up.
2: Yeah, it it can be, and I think I mean I, I I've never hidden my views. I, but I they know where I stand, and I think, you know, they didn't say no at the wedding, so too late. I, I don't know what to <laughs> tell them.
3: <laughs> you tricked you ever... them into letting
0: me into their family. <laughs> You the Trojan me? horse, DM. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully they'll be educated, right? And then, like They are.
2: Hopefully. So this yeah. is like I said, I feel like spectrum's, uh, Trump supporters are on two sides of the spectrum. They are very strong, educated like Republicans who find reasons to support him. And then there are people who just want to watch the world burn
0: yeah the chaos that they write right? The people that sure. just let just the, the whole thing burn to the ground no i agree with you well okay so back to a little bit back to clinical practice so if have you ever corrected someone that has made an assumption about you like alan was saying that we're all, we're kind of similar probably true true enough but what if have you as if a client says well i can tell you're one of those liberal people and you probably don't believe this but that i believe that a woman's place is in the home she needs to be the mother and that helps children the most and then but you probably don't believe that do you do you correct people that say stuff like that
3: what is this voice this is hilarious <laughs> like, Where did you call that's my tr- character a tr-
0: trump client boy <laughs> or do you say or what if someone says well, uh, I know your type. You probably are goody-goody, and you've never taken drugs, so you probably don't even understand my I experience. I oh, I get
1: that client. all the time. Tell me that. I, sorry, Tosh, go for it.
3: I get that all the time.
0: What do you say? What do you? How do you? Do you correct them, or do you say anything, or just let I it don't pass? Correct or them,
3: but I, I, what do I do? I think I just kind of like smile and nod, but not really say yes or no. You know, again, neutrality is a safe space for me.
0: Uh, okay, this so does, does anyone have, a, this is what I would do. So could people have asked me that they assume, or they've said things like, I assume you're a liberal and all that. They hit it right on the nose. <laughs> I'm not gonna deny it or lie about it. But I, this is what I'll do. I'll try to get them in a conversation where we can be, meet on common ground or it, they can be okay. Cause again, so it takes a lot for a conservative person someone or ma- a very hyper-masculine person to come in for therapy. A lot, you know, more Trump supporters are, are masculine. And I'm now, right now I'm thinking about, uh, you know, a student that was a big Trump supporter. And it turned out fine. He he benefited a lot from therapy. But so it takes a lot for, uh, you know, very masculine folks to come in and, and have therapy to begin with. But I would not bite at that initially. I would try to get them in a conversation first about, is is that something that makes you really upset or something like that? I would say, is that really important for you for someone to believe that a person's place, women's place is in the home?
3: I know like transference is something that's so important to discuss in therapy, but I don't have experience doing that yet. You know what I mean? So I I haven't. Explain
0: what transference is though. (laughs) Okay,
3: so that's kind of what we were just talking about when a patient might have some beliefs about how you are, your character, what you're thinking, based off of that patient's previous history of, of um, interactions with people who maybe look like you or talk like you or walk like you, or whatever.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I uh, you know, I I feel like I have that experience. I you know, I, I really have a, a my, my long my most long term friend is a big Trump supporter. And we just go back and forth about it. And I mean, we just go back. Now we're in a little dead phase right now because I just, I just couldn't take it anymore. Like
2: You're dead to me
0: phase. <laughs> a little bit. We'll we we'll, we'll get back together. We always do. But it just recently, I I don't know if it's appropriate to share this on the air, but uh, I, I willingly started it. it. I'll do it, sure. <laughs> uh, but this maybe this will be educational for people out there trying to communicate with folks. But. So I feel like I, I'm sharing this stuff and to Trump people, but the uh, I think that he and other Trump supporters have this thing where they won't comment on the specifics of what you're saying, and they'll go to one of their things about fake news or about oh this is the liberal elite blah 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 or you know you can't trust this or whatever, but they won't comment on the details of what I said. Now I feel, obviously, of course, because it's me. So I feel like I'm commenting on the details of whatever he is saying. So I just said, I said, wait, we're, we're not gonna talk anymore unless you commit to me right now that you're gonna comment on everything, on my, the details of what I say. Because you know, I can say that, it's not like my client or anything, it's my friend. And so he didn't want to do that. So now we're in this kind of barren phase, where we're not talking. <laughs> but we'll get, we'll get back, because we're old friends, so we'll, we'll get back to talking to each other. But I, that was my experience with a Trump supporter. Yeah, <laughs> I actually told him, I said, it said, years from now, we're gonna bring this up again. We're gonna talk about, it. we can't talk about this right now. But okay, but let me get back to the main topic, which is, so you, how much does do politics enter the room? Now I'm of the belief that uh, it, politics is always there. The, 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 the personal is political, right? With f- feminist ideology and, ther- and theory. So politics are happening all around us all the time. I, you know, uh, I, I might be from a different class as the person, you know, and I I, I have a privileged status as far as education, you know, or, or, or uh, uh, you know, just from my, my background of where I was raised and things like that. So it, there's always some sort of political dynamic going on. But how much do you bring it into the room or allow a discussion on it? Or how much do you think is helpful to bring po- political discussions into the room? And particularly as a Including you, your your own the political dynamics that are going going on between you and the client. Like in fact, you're felt can like it, enhance therapy.
2: Yeah, I like, I feel like therapy. There are always three people in the room. There's you, the patient, and all the ghosts so that the patient brings with them. Right, and you bring your own ghosts too. And medicine has its own ghosts. Like it, it would be wrong for us to say that medicine doesn't come with its own bias. The treatments that we give, the advice that we give, it's very cur- It's very curtailed towards a specific population and it's what we know. Um, but I don't, so oh, short answer is I don't bring it up unless the patient brings it up because it's their treatment, not mine.
1: So I like said. that yeah. ghost but, yeah. thing. I, I like the idea that it's us and, and all our ghosts and them and all their ghosts. And I think part of our job as therapists is to be Ghostbusters. And <laughs> to try to, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, the brain strength, Halloween right?
2: episode <laughs> coming up.
0: <laughs> well, okay, but if someone, if someone, it says to you, I think it's really important that you... Have traditional values and respect my traditional values, of, you know, I I, I like to be the main breadwinner and um, my wife uh, is in the home and raises the children and that that's the way it should be. I need to someone. To, can you? Uh, do you have those same? Can you respect me? And do you have those same kinds of values? What what would? You, how would you react to that? What would you say? I,
1: I would go with gentle ultimatum on that. So I would I would say. You know, I think it's, I really respect your traditional values. I respect how firm you are in your values. Um, It seems like those values have have served you well throughout your life. Um, I prefer not to talk too much about my values in therapy, but since you've asked, I'm, I'm not sure you'd consider me someone who shares those traditional values. Now... If you want to see another therapist, I will provide you with a, a great recommendation, and I won't take it personally at all. And you're welcome to see another therapist, but I only work with patients who are enthusiastic uh, to see me and are really happy to be seeing me. And so, if that's not the case, then we can we can find you a great referral. Well, you're not lying when you
0: said that was an ultimatum. That is, yeah, that ultimatum. was a definite ultimatum. <laughs> <alternate. laughs> <laughs> and we're just doing it. <laughs> <laughs> you, I don't you know if I would it, you, be that blatant.
2: <laughs> yeah, I would just punch it. I would be like, I respect you. I respect your values. But more importantly, let's focus on what brought you in to this. What brought you in to see me? There must be reasons that we can work on together.
0: You would just quickly redirect. And just go I right would redirect. Right.
2: <laughs> if they Tosha. allow me to redirect, some patients won't.
0: Tosha, what would you do?
3: I mean, I see the benefit of both of those uh, approaches, actually. I don't know. I think I might take it on a case-by-case basis. I haven't really formulated thoughts on this, to be honest.
0: Well, if you're just joining us, you're listening to Let's Get Psyched on KUCR, and we're talking about how much much political views and politics enters the room in clinical practice. Um, I'm more of a believer that if you should try to be completely honest with people and just telegraph it, like, for example, feminists— therapist is going to be clear and upfront about, you know, the personal is political, yes, but that there's systems of oppression that operate on women's lives. Yeah, maybe um, you
3: should talk a little bit about feminist therapy,
0: well, I'm not, I'm not a feminist therapist, but I, I will say that I ascribe to a lot of feminist values. So you're a feminist
1: so, who happens to be a therapist or are you a therapist? I don't who happens actually to be a
3: feminist? know
2: what, yeah, okay, I don't actually okay. know what Femin- feminist so, ther- theory feminist is. Is that therapy, just a woman?
3: No, 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 no. <laughs> it's, it's actually a, a type of therapy that came out of the sixties. Um, and it, it basically um, encourages patients to find their strengths. Um, it puts their the patient's struggles in a context of um, society's influence on their struggles. So it it acknowledges how certain marginalized communities may be marginalized by society um, and puts it less on like these are faults of the individual and more on identifying how this could be a systematic issue
1: systematic um, or interpersonal so i'm sorry am i am i cutting you in the middle of a of the explanation tosh
3: well i mean i just to finish up there there isn't a lot of evidence apparently for this type of therapy um, but it is something that has been recommended as a treatment for feminists who are struggling with um, the stress or anxiety they feel when trying to, to, to challenge maybe society in society's um, invalidation of their struggle. And this has been made more current with uh, eco-anxiety as being recommended as a treatment for eco-anxiety, which we've talked about before
1: right and and where it where that comes in where the use of feminist therapy comes in for eco anxiety is the idea partly of um if you're being gaslighted normalizing your ideas because everyone around you is making you feel that your ideas are not valid and for right. me and and the main criticism of feminist therapy is comes from i think this psychiatrist at yale who says that it's like paranoid and and I guess there could be applications where it was paranoid, but I find it really useful. And I don't know if this is uh, bona fide feminist therapy, or if this is just ideas I learned from women's studies classes in therapy. But when I get an, you know, 18 to 24 year old young woman in the psych hospital who has tried to uh, commit suicide because related to feelings of, um, not being believed or being dramatic after a sexual assault, and they're feeling like tiny human beings, I find that the, the the gaslighting ideas that come from feminism, that the ideas that, you know, your ideas are actually the right ones, and maybe society is the problem here, are really important parts of mm. of. Mm interpersonal therapy, of supportive therapy, and even of CBT, of challenging automatic negative thoughts that may have been inserted into their heads by the cultural milieu.
3: One other aspect of feminist therapy that I read about is um, the importance of therapists encouraging their patients to actually do some sort of, engage in some sort of social work, some sort of activism, um, and that supports their um, their own feeling of empowerment, uh, um, assertiveness, lets them put in action their learn, their developing assertiveness the, that they've been working on in therapy.
1: I love that.
0: Boy, that's really putting a political spin on the therapy experience. Where you're encouraging them. It doesn't
1: them. have to. Yeah, I, I don't
2: understand. Therapy. It's pointing out a problem with the system and then d- encouraging to act on you to act on that problem.
0: And that's encouraging them to be politically and socially active. How well, is it, it not so, okay, injecting so it politics to be into the therapy way. session? Okay,
1: well, I, okay d- done so what so like, way? So it doesn't need to be done in a political way, right? So, so I think it, I don't know the evidence behind this, but I find it useful a lot of times as just a way of like sneaking a little more um, activating influence to my danger to self patients at the end of their hospitalization on discharge. I'll assign them one last homework assignment. And it'll often be to read "Man search for meaning, and then to use that inspiration to do something. And I'll, I'll, I'll usually a lot of my times my parting line with a patient will be there's a lot of people out there in the world suffering, um, you know, y- get your get your career on board so you can help those people or something like that. And, and just having like a call to action to have meaning outside of just um, get yourself better so you can get yourself better, which often doesn't really ring true to someone with nihilistic ideas and suicidality the the charge to go help the world doesn't need to be politicized and i think it's rarely a misguided idea
0: well I, it might be just semantics about you know what's what is considered quote political and what's not political but i mean i feel like yeah i think you know as far as alan you're talking about that kind of criticism of like they're too paranoid or something I, I guess I would have to learn like what specifically they're talking about, but I think it it might go down to uh, how uh, much advocacy are you pressing that is emerging from your ideology, and it, the person is not uh, uh, taking it that as their own. They're not choosing that. I mean, I feel like if you're maybe you're overstepping it if you're pushing it. If you feel like if you feel like you're pushing it, rather than offering it. I almost feel like in some ways feminist therapists are more open and upfront about their ideology. And now I, as, a, as a client or a patient, I would like that. I would like like, okay, you're a feminist therapist. Okay. So now now you, you, there's nothing that you're going to, there's nothing that is not unsaid. You you are, you're, I can go on the internet and see what you're, um, you're for. You're going to be. Blatantly political about things. Not I don't mean blatant. I mean that you are advocating social change. You believe that's a part of being a healthy human being. These are all good things. If you look at their fem, if their principles of feminist therapy, they're all things that I think almost most clinicians do. Like an egalitarian dyad, you know that you that you don't want to maximize the amount of power you have in in the in the in the room, and that you believe in um, social change and things like that. Those are things that most people. Are fine with actually, you know. There's nothing in the feminist therapy that says to actively help convince people to say that women's place is working and not in the home. There's nothing like that at all in feminist therapy, feminist theory, and feminist therapy. Well, I guess that that, that kind of quieted everyone down. As well, I, I, said I, that. I would
3: say I I agree with you, Dr. Parks. I think that <laughs> talking, identifying, and validating um, the structure in society that allows for, you know, misogyny or, um, prejudice against women or other marginalized groups, um, such as the LGBT community or, uh, people of color. I think that is politicized.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, okay. So this is what I think. I think that you would, I, I feel like um, so, what if someone has really unenlightened views about uh, egalitarian beliefs about LGBT folks, about um, uh, people of color, about um, you know traditional roles? If you feel like that was interfering with how they uh, interact with people, they, it made them more angry. It it, uh, it led to worse, of lower quality of relationships and things like that. Or do you believe? that really all those things are value-free in in, the, in terms of relationships. Like you can have great, healthy relationships and have it completely non-egalitarian. That you can be co- have completely um, bigoted views about LGBT folks and people of color and racist views, and it'd be great, and you could, your life can be awesome as long as you maybe hang out mostly with people who believe this. They, do you feel it's kind of value-free, or do you feel like... If You th- you can have a higher quality of life and relationships if you have some of these egalitarian thoughts and beliefs in your life.
1: I always fantasized when I pictured myself becoming a, a therapist and when I was more considering and applying to PhD programs, I always fantasized about the, the areas of overlap between adaptiveness for my patients and... Um, you know, being able to do something, I always felt guilty that I wasn't going into a field that would help the environment. And I felt like, okay, I'm gonna, you know, recommend activity and recommend appreciation, appreciation of nature, and maybe use ACT and some of the like Buddhist kind of oriented mind frames. And all that's going to have like, sort of in some butterfly effect way going to have a, a good effect on the environment. I, I think in practice, I've found that it, that's often not high on the list. And it doesn't end up coming into play a lot but then again i went i ended up devoting most of this year to researching nature-based therapy so maybe i am doing that
3: i think to answer your question dr parks i i don't think that that's true i think which which is true you were positing like is it a lower quality of life to have non-egalitarian beliefs i mean if you just look at kimberly guilfoyle's uh speech at the rnc like she looks like she's loving her life and
0: <laughs> Yeah, she is she she's a
2: she's happy fox. angry okay, happy. okay
0: all right so so okay so fox news had to pay out four million dollars because of sexual harassment and the ridiculous non-egalitarian thing she was doing so how is that a higher quality of life
2: for her it's great for, i for fox it, news it? okay is it, is it? it's
1: not I mean, adaptiveness depends largely on social context. I, yeah, I and mean, in, in, in our our social context in California. So is- wait,
0: wait, wait, wait. So then the feudal in a feudal system where no one had any redress, there was no things like lawsuits and sexual harassment suits like I just mentioned. They'd be just like in seventh heaven and everything'd be great.
3: I mean, and sexual
2: misconduct
0: of, is happening on all sides.
2: Yeah, and and regardless of how that anybody who courts controversy, there's going to be lawsuits. Anybody who is throwing their opinions out there are going to get attacked it's on par with anybody else who is becoming a public figure so i don't so just both sides just, are doing it is that the thing yeah both yeah i, I mean would i also i think
1: that. I, I think i'm sorry go for it i, no,
2: I want to make an important point that like Alan said earlier that differentiates what we're saying right now oh he A lot of what he's approaching in terms of behavior wise is for patients who are suicidal and usually that's secondary to like a very severe moral injury, like they have lost a core sense of self and he's trying to give them a purpose and recreate a sense of self. People who are very political have a very strong sense of self and this very like strong sense of identity, a group identity that they've taken on. Usually they're not suicidal.
1: Okay. Or lacking. Yeah. What were you going to
3: say, Alan? Well, I, I don't know.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I appreciate that point. I, I am thinking of like a few more elderly patients I've had recently who are suicidal and are on the right and right wing end of the political spectrum with kind of the idea that, I don't know. A- anyway, I, I think uh, the... I think if you can find areas where, and overall, I think medicine and psych are politicized. There, The evidence, and I'm just going to say this is going to politicize me, but I think the evidence is largely pointing towards increasingly we're becoming um, sort of promoting of practices that are Eastern or open-minded or things that would be considered liberal if you had to Kind of consider them one thing or another, like yoga, like meditation. But are you like talking or Trump talking,
3: Alan? <laughs> yeah, I think this is this this is
1: um well, s- I'm super into of the U.S.
3: And, and certain communities of the U.S., but not overall. I don't. I wouldn't say overall. I would
2: also. I think right now there's a spin. Yes, there's a definitely a spin from this presidency and this that is saying, you know, what the we're in our Ivory Towers, we are liberals and you know, our 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 treatments are like restrictive or well, I don't know, whatever. There's definitely a spin right now. So I that tries to formulate medicine as you know going far left and not with the people. But I don't think that is true. I think they're like all, all doctors come from you can't generalize medicine. All everyone is different and doctors have different opinions and different spectrums. And yes, does medicine have its bias? Of course, historically we are biased. Do we try to be better? Yes. That's what randomized controlled trials are for. So that our bias, we try to remove as much of our biases as possible.
1: I'm with and you. That. I actually would say that I think the, the data is sort of leaning towards increased open-mindedness and Eastern ideas. That's kind of anyway.
0: All right. Well, that's the last last word. And I don't know if we've uh, settled anything, but we at least got a lot of our arguing out of the way. Uh, you've been listening to this. Let's get psyched. today. Uh, we, tonight we talked about uh, how much politics enters the room and how much it should or shouldn't and how, how do you do that. Uh, thank you, our co-hosts. Dr. Tosha Yamaguchi, Dr. DM Nguyen, and Dr. Alan Atkins. If you have comments or questions about this show or any other show, you can write us at getpsychedonkucr at gmail.com. That's getpsychedonkucr at gmail.com. You can also listen to past podcasts of Let's Get Psyched on your favorite streaming platform. This episode was recorded in each of our respective homes and then mixed by our producer at KUCR, Elliot Fonk. So special thanks go out to him. I've been your host, psychologist Dr. Aaron Parks. Tune in next week for another edition of Let's Get Psyched.